Welcome to Language Chats. This is a podcast for language lovers in Australia and beyond, where we share our experiences of language learning with you, as well as the stories of other Australians and a few international guests who love learning, working with and communicating using other languages. I'm Penny. And I'm Beck, and we'd like to begin by acknowledging the traditional custodians of the land on which we're recording today, the Kungarakani and the Wurundjeri people, and we pay our respects to their elders past and present. Now, Penny, whereabouts in Australia are you today? Because I can see on the video, for the benefit of everybody who is listening, that it looks much warmer where you are than where I am. I know, Beck. I'm in my bathers, would you believe? And I've got the <laughs> fan blaring on my face. So you might have heard in the acknowledgement of country, I'm on Kungarakan country in Northern Australia. So I'm in the top end of Northern Territory, about one hour or so south of Darwin. So we might need to, we might need to put a map in the show notes, Beck. <laughs> I know. I think we might need to just so that everybody can see where about where in the world is Penny right now. Um, now, this leads in nicely into what we're going to be chatting about today. So a bit of a different um, episode uh, for you all out there. Um, but as you can, as you already know now, Penny is traveling at the moment and is on a, a very big trip. Um, and an exciting one too. So and I, it is a trip that actually I want to know a lot more about because we haven't been able to catch up quite as much as we usually do um, as you've been on the road. Um, so, Penny, do you want to tell us a little bit about this very exciting trip that you are currently on? Sure thing, Beck. Well, we left Victoria at the start of August to embark on a five-month road trip around Australia. So we are towing a camper trailer. So it's like a little mini caravan. Um, and so me and my husband and my two kids, six and four, two girls, and we headed across to South Australia first and then up through the centre of Australia, through the desert, which I absolutely loved. And now we're in the top end in the Northern Territory with plans to continue across to Queensland and down the east coast of Australia. Um, so, yeah, big epic trip um, and lots of kilometres. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but, yeah, so far. So what are we? I think we're, we've done about seven weeks so far at the time of recording. Oh, seven weeks. Amazing. But I feel like you've got so much more to go and so many more places to explore too. Well, it's funny, isn't it? Because when I look at the map and see how far we've come, I'm like, oh, you know, it feels, you know, geographically that we've kind of come halfway. But there is a lot more kilometres to go. (laughs) Mm, Australia is such a big place. I know. And also, you know, places like where we are here in the top end, there's just so many things to explore. You don't want to rush it. Well, at least we don't want to. And we've got the luxury of having a little bit of time up our sleeves, which is really nice. Yeah, amazing. So I think um, probably my, my biggest question for you is how did you guys decide to take this time out? And to take such a long and, you know, kind of, I guess for, for a lot of Australians, this feels like a really exotic trip because actually many of us who even live here don't make it out to whole parts of the country because, well, it's a big place. Um, and it's not always the easiest place to travel either because things are just so far apart. 
Well, logistically, it can be really tricky. And that's one of the things we've learned while we've been traveling. Things like, you know, having to be really careful about our fuel stops, making sure we've got enough water, um, groceries, because, you know, you don't want to run out of stuff. Um, And that's been a real learning curve for us, I think. And also it's really eye-opening to see how people who do live out in remote areas have to cope and live in a different way to us who are used to living in cities and used to getting things when we need them at all times of day and night. And I think it's really nice to kind of see how other people live and that it's possible and it's also can be really fun and fulfilling to be out in kind of rural, regional, remote parts of this country. Um, you mentioned before, you know, that it looks so hot. The heat has been a bit of a challenge, I have to tell you. <laughs> um, I think because you're kind of exposed to the elements, you know, all day and all night um, and our little camper trailer is kind of half caravan, half tent. So, <laughs> um, but it, yeah, that's also a learning curve too, isn't it? And I think it's one of the reasons why we wanted to do the trip was we thought it was a good stage for the kids being um, Eliza, the eldest, who's six. She's in grade one, so she's in her second year of primary school. She's doing she's doing well at school and we just thought, you know, having this time out is not going to impact her kind of education too much. So if the little one, she's in three-year-old kinder, so it's a perfect time for her too. Um, the fact that you know, this is just a huge learning experience for them and they're just picking up so much stuff, which is what I hoped. And it's actually happening. So that's nice, nice to see. Incredible. Had you been thinking about this for a long time? Like did you start oh, thinking about the idea of doing a big trip like this years ago? No, not not really. I reckon we started seriously thinking last year and probably the seed was planted the year before. So not, not a long time. Um, we knew that a few things had to go in our favour to be able to go, things like, you know, getting long service leave, making sure that, you know, we could work remotely if we needed to um, and being able to rent out our house was a huge thing as well. So there were a few things that had to go in our favour, which luckily they did um, to make the trip happen. Amazing. Well, it's, I think, so exciting also because I feel like you are completely in your element traveling, Penny. Like for as long as I have known you and many people who are listening to this podcast will know that Penny absolutely loves travel as much as she loves languages. (laughs) And those two things are very much intertwined. Um, So I feel like talking to you about it, I can see all of your passion for enjoying and adventuring um, around the place is just, is just there, which is so, so, so fun and so good. It makes me very happy. Oh, thanks, Beth. <laughs> so, so tell us about a bit more about your itinerary. Um, well, and in addition to where you are now, because obviously it sounds like you've just gone from you know, mostly up the middle and up to the top end. So, from from uh, where we are both roughly located in Victoria, um, sort of near Melbourne, um, and then made your way through South Australia and up to the Northern Territory. Um, what is your what is your plan? from here well there are a couple of kind of highlight places which I thought would be fun to talk about with you on the on the podcast I think mostly because you know they were great experiences but also from a language and a cultural perspective which you know is a huge 
influence on how we travel, what, you know, what I like about travel because um, that for me is the real kind of reason that I think travel is so awesome and transformative because, you know, of the experiences and the educational aspect that you can get while you are outside of your normal kind of day-to-day. So we've been to some really awesome places that have been really different for us and a couple of things were first of all in the Flinders Ranges so Ikara Flinders Ranges is a big national park in South Australia pretty much in the outback really <laughs> it's pretty isolated and some of the roads were pretty crazy <laughs> so I got my you know first go at four-wheel driving which was fun um, but one of the places um, which is significant to the Ajamatana people, the Indigenous people in the Ikara Flinders Ranges National Park is Wilpina Pound. And we went there. It's really gorgeous, amazing walks. It's been f- formally recognised and handed back to the traditional owners as of 2009. And since 2011, it's been jointly managed by the government and the traditional owners. And we've come across this in a few places. And I just think it 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 shows when you visit a national park or a significant kind of cultural pl- place when the traditional owners are involved or completely have say in management over that place. Um, and... You could you could feel the importance importance of the place, um, and I think that really carried through to the visitor to the visitor experience. So if you haven't been out to Ikara Flinders Ranges in the Outback SA, I would really recommend it. Um, so that was one of our highlights in South Australia, and another another really kind of wacky place in South Australia. I have to say wacky because it kind of is. Is Cooperpedi? <laughs> I don't know, Beck, if you know much about Cooperpedi at all. All the only thing I really know about Cooperpedi is that there's a whole bunch of stuff that's underground. Yes, right? like homes and churches, and <laughs> you know, businesses are built underground because of the the heat like it's really extreme um but it's also like the opal mining capital of the world so mining is a big deal in Cooperpedia and it's still very active mining town so the name Cooperpedia comes from the Kokatha word so the indigenous word Piti, which loosely translated means white fella in a hole um which I really liked because I'm just like well yeah that's opal mining, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I guess it is. <laughs> so the Umuna community in Kupapiti is very much um, part of the town still. There is a really big Indigenous population in Kupapiti. Um, and it was interesting, I think, probably because it was our first kind of experience of seeing hardship amongst Aboriginal local people and the kind of the white people or the immigrants, not just white people, this is really a multicultural place. Um, and seeing that displayed in our, you know, faces everywhere we went. So that was probably the first time on the trip that we, we saw that. And it has, you know, continued as we've headed north. We've, we've come across that in other towns as well. So, yeah. 
Um, really interesting place though, Cooperpedia. Like I wasn't sure I was going to like it, but I really did. <laughs> it just sounds so different. I feel like the whole idea of stuff being underground because it's so hot almost makes me think of like Star Wars. <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, it's been. Or something like a science fiction film. I think a lot of films have been set in Cooperpedia because literally it feels like you're in another world. Like it does feel like a film set. Very, very surreal. And lots of like... Mm-hmm. Rocks and dust and no trees. Very interesting landscape. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like um, we'll have to. So just to just to reiterate for everybody um, listening, we will make sure that these places that Penny is mentioning um, are in the show notes, so that you can uh, maybe find your own way around all of the places that Penny's describing um, in mostly outback Australia. Yes, definitely. A map is needed. <laughs> Yes, I think so. You're going to have to do, make a little map as well of this whole trip, Ben. I know. Yeah, we've we've started we've started a couple of maps, so definitely we'll have to put that up somewhere when when we're done. Hey, early mm-hmm. early January. Watch this. Watch this space. Yeah. Um, so where did you? What, what about in the like red center? I'm oh, guessing that is well, also where you guys have passed through since. That's been a huge highlight, and I didn't think I was a desert person, but I just loved the desert I love the arid kind of environment I loved being right in the center right in the heart of Australia it was really amazing um so we went to Uluru which you may know as Ayers Rock um so Uluru is its its name um and the national park there Uluru Katajuta um so Katajuta is another amazing rock formation which used to be called the Olgas um so you know some beautiful walks and some really great Indigenous ranger interpretation experiences. We did this walk um, called the Mala Walk with one of the um, local Anangu traditional owner who works as a ranger. Um, and it was just fantastic. There was, you know, there was rock art and there's so many stories and so many explanations for what parts of Uluru were used for Um thousands of years ago and that was that was really awesome so the kids did that with us as well um and one of the things which I loved um about the start of kind of our desert you know from Uluru kind of into further north into that central part of the central part of the country was um this Pichinjara word called palya and it seemed to follow us around a lot. So Palio was used in, in Uluru and also was used in Kings Canyon, which is a bit further north as well, Wataka National Park. But it's really this word, this greeting word, which can mean, you know, hello, you're welcome, okay, thank you. It's got these multiple meanings. But we literally just heard it so much and I just thought, oh, isn't it nice when you're when you're in your own country and that you you hear these other languages spoken around you and I think as someone who's always lived in the city um, and, you know, First Nation languages, you know, I've, you know, I'm interested, I've been reading, I've learned about them, I've talked to people, I've, you know, done trips to learn more about First Nation languages but there's something about being there in person and hearing the languages spoken to you by kids, by families, by older people, by 
just everyone interacting. It's just like, I think it just brings it home that these languages are living and they're not going anywhere. Like, <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, as much as as much as they can. And I think that was that's been a really amazing experience to have the language kind of in your in your face, so to speak. And it's been that's been mm. really cool. And to have the language associated with place, I think too, like. Um, from some of the places that you've mentioned, especially like Uluru and stuff, there is a real, um, I mean, these are sacred places, aren't they? Very much. Mm. Um, and I'm sure, you know, I feel like for lots of people, language is sacred too. Um, it really does form a part of culture and an important part of culture that is passed on from generation to generation and yeah for a lot of indigenous languages all around the world but especially in Australia those that passing down um has been stalled um and so yeah that must be such a wonderful experience to hear it in place like in country um where it should be heard I guess yeah exactly exactly um something that we did in Wataka National Park. So that's maybe a five-hour drive from Uluru North. Um, and that's also called King's Canyon, which you might have heard of as well. It's one of the, you know, amazing natural formation, a gorge. Um, so that was handed back to the traditional owners in 2012. So reasonably recently um, we were able to do a cultural experience um, they, with a family who run First Nation kind of immersion experiences on, on their property um, at Wataka National Park. And, yeah, there were a brother and sister duo who were running the experience. And it was just us. It was just our family. And it was just amazing. We went through a series of kind of, kind of want to say stations, but kind of, like areas that were set up for different things. So we learnt about bush medicine. We learnt about tools and spears and weapons. We learnt about painting. Um, we learnt about jewellery making. Um, and we learnt about bush tucker as well. And it was really hands-on. It was really immersive um it was just amazing for the kids the brother and sister Peter and Natasha who ran it were just full of this amazing knowledge they were probably probably in their 40s maybe late 40s or so and they'd learnt a lot of this knowledge from their grandparents um yeah so that was that was really amazing and Palia was another that word was just part of that experience the whole way the whole way through as well which was great Palia. Okay, we'll have to I'll have to look that up too. Maybe we'll put something in the show notes about that just in case you're curious. So funny because it feels like when you said that you say you were hearing it everywhere and people were saying it all the time. Never heard that word before. No. Well, me neither. And wouldn't it be great like if a word like that, which is just so so useful and really you can use it in so many different scenarios, actually found its way into everyday language in in Australia how cool would that be like yeah it is cool although I feel like now this is a slight a slight sidetrack um but I feel like there are some words that are like 
of either of Indigenous um, kind of origin or from from different languages around Australia or like kind of more like Aboriginal Australian English um, that have made their way into kind of common parlance around the country. And it's really interesting to see that that change happen over time, what people recognise as being typically, uh, yeah, like I guess Indigenous Australian language. I think it's a really good thing for everyone to be aware of, even though it may not be language that you use. And I think there's a, there's something sensitive too about how how that language makes its way into the general Totally. You know, environment um, of how we might use, you know, English um, or other languages. But um, I'm, I'm curious and interested by it in the way that we hear, especially at the moment. Um, those in Australia will know that there's a big political uh, uh, a discussion at the moment about a referendum that we have coming up. It has become a very political um, topic, I suppose, but also it's a, it's a big um, and important topic for everyone to discuss around Australia. Um, that's about an Indigenous voice to parliament. Um, but it means that we are hearing a lot of, um, you know, people who are of Indigenous heritage talking about their mob. That's something that mm. I think is coming up, you know, people are saying it a lot when when that's appropriate. Um, people talking about things being deadly. Yeah. Um, and, again, like that isn't a word that I would feel like I could use in English, but I love hearing it. Yeah. I, I think it's cool that it's distinctive and it, it interests me because it's, it is so distinctively um, kind of Aboriginal Australian. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, a really, I don't know, inter- interesting change, I think, to, to watch that coming into the more commonplace language yeah. around Australia. Yeah. No, totally. That, yeah. Exactly. All of those things. <laughs> yeah, so cool. So now whereabouts are you exactly now? In uh, <laughs> so right now, in the Northern Territory, <laughs> on Kungarakan land in the Northern Territory, about an hour south of Darwin, southwest mm-hmm. of Darwin, near a place called Berry Springs. Okay. So it's it's full of waterholes, national parks. We've done lots of swimming in waterfalls and rock holes and all these amazing things. Um, and it's yeah, it's really beautiful, beautiful landscape. Um, I love the sound of that, but also as a very city-based Australian girl, I'm horrified by the idea of swimming in waterholes in the Northern Territory. <laughs> I know, I know, it is a bit. I'm like, ah, crocodiles. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna be very brave and just make sure there's other people there. <laughs> <laughs> Although I'm guessing you have not encountered any crocodiles as yet. <laughs> no, we've um, seen a couple of freshwater crocodiles though. So that's exciting. Um, not while we've been in the water. <laughs> From, that's good. Yes. <laughs> but no saltwater crocodiles in the wild yet, but I'm sure they are coming. So saltwater ones are the really, the you know, the aggressive, vicious ones who are likely to attack the freshwater ones, which I learned are quite timid and really not fond of fond of humans at all. Um, and they're quite small. So that's some little handy trivia <laughs> for you. Interesting. The, the two types crocodiles are crocodiles. a bit salty. Okay, very, let's not get near salty. the saltwater crocodiles. <laughs> how do um how are your little girls finding this this experience of being a bit more out in nature and wildlife yeah, also being city kids too I know I know like 
sometimes the older one just will come out with the most funniest thing. She's like, this place is not really my style. I'm a city girl, you know. <laughs> I'm just like, <laughs> um, but, yeah, they're, they're really in the element. They just love riding their bikes everywhere and they're really happy swimming in these very naturey <laughs> swimming pools, as they call them. Um, I thought they'd be a bit reluctant to jump in off the rocks into all the swampiness, but no, they're they're good. They're embracing it, so that's that's really cool. Um, yeah, we're off to we're off to Kakadu next, so the really awesome, big, amazing national park in the very top of Northern Territory. So there's going to be lots more cultural experiences and nature coming our way, which will be great. Fantastic. How good. I feel like these are all of the places that often hear people talk about when they say, oh, they're visiting Australia and they're planning to go to all of these exciting places. And then I feel terrible because I've been to none of these places, but I have lived here my whole life. (laughs) That's why you need a road trip. That's why you need a road trip. They're so hard to get to. (laughs) I know. How have you found the hours of driving? Because I guess the other thing is too, us talking about this now in a short period of time makes it feel like it's all gone by really quickly and that you can just jump from one place to another. But, of course, there are hours and hours and hours of driving yeah, um, loaded look, within this trip, aren't there? We've taken it pretty slow, which suits us. So I think the longest kind of days we've done maybe like five or six hours um, driving, which then you've got to factor in breaks and stuff. And with kids, we know that that always takes a lot longer but um yeah I think that's probably the longest day and I think you know three to four hours at the most kind of is a good amount um because yeah it gets a bit some bits are a bit straight and boring but other bits are really cool so you kind of yeah but I don't mind the driving days at all actually I like just (laughs) looking out the window you can see we we saw brumbies running through we've seen like big herds of camels and yeah lots of emus kangaroos there's always lots of wildlife um how good yeah so that's that's pretty cool and then one time we were driving down the highway and the highway also doubles as an airstrip so they can close the highway to allow airplanes like the royal flying doctor service to land in times of emergencies, which I found really awesome. Yes, amazing. The Royal Flying Doctor Service, that is something I haven't really thought about for quite some time, but a very important service um, around regional Australia. And when you're out here, you just realise how important it is. I know. I think we mentioned this on an earlier uh, episode of Language Chats. I can't remember which one exactly, but we did talk about the um, School of the Air not that long ago. Um, have you heard anything about or seen anything about that while you've yes, been away? Yes, we went to visit the School of the Air in Alice Springs and so that was really amazing. You know, got to learn about the history of it. So it's a basically a school that used to work via radio and now, of course, is all run by satellite internet for kids in remote stations so remote farms or even remote locations because of other types of work so police officers um, park rangers tourism people and yeah the little museum and setup was amazing and we got to see live classes taking place find out all about the kids and it was very very cool how cool and so funny because now it's like remote anything doesn't seem that like 
that unusual. I guess lots of people work remotely now. Lots of people do language learning classes online now with people in different countries. Um, But still the whole concept of the School of the Air feels so, like at the time, when it first came about, it must have been so hugely novel. Oh, and so revolutionary for the kids who and the parents who got to use it. So one of the stories that I loved was probably didn't stop all that long ago, but the postie used to hand deliver big, big, thick booklets of schoolwork by aeroplane to each of the kids every fortnight. And so the postie would land by aeroplane at the station, go in, have a cup of tea, use the bathroom, whatever they need to do, hand deliver this big stack of textbooks and notes and then you know, off to the off to the next place. See you in a fortnight, and I was just like, "Oh my god, that's Whoa, so cool! That is amazing." <laughs> the 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 very big nerd that I am is like, "Oh my god, amazing!" Imagine someone dropping off all of this cool schoolwork for you to do. Oh no, <laughs> showing my true colours. <laughs> and it comes every two weeks. <laughs> uh, and that must have been so exciting, though. Like, oh, I guess if that I was thought. your like, know. you know. Well, this like cool fun stuff that you get to do over the radio, whatever. Again, I'm making it sound. I, I loved school. Look, loved we know, school. we know. <laughs> I love school too, except I didn't love like big chunky textbooks. Yeah, yeah. No one really liked. Them, so. <laughs> um, how good! Such an interesting, such an interesting thing. What a cool idea. Yeah, and it's still very strong today. Obviously, kids are. Still remote, so they still have to still have yeah. to do school in the air. It's very cool. Incredible. I think my girls wanted to join in. <laughs> <laughs> well, are they doing it? So for your eldest who is already at primary school, I'm guessing that you have to do, like do you have to do some kind of almost like homeschooling, caravan schooling? Yeah, well, we don't formally have to do anything because it's less than two terms that she's away. Sure. So less than the six months. But um yeah we're just keeping in touch with her teacher and she's submitting things as she goes along but just like really really low-key so just you know the occasional story or video call um so that's been really good and just getting her to do some other maths work while she's around but yeah not too much so fingers crossed it all works out (laughs) although I feel like everything you're doing is still really educational so (laughs) All of this travel and learning about new places and learning new words. Count to ten. That should be fun. It's all good. (laughs) I'm sure they'll be fine. How good. So um, you've got still how many more months to go? Mm, Oh, good question. Three and a bit. Oh, so much time. It's going to be incredible. Well, Penny, it's I love hearing about all of this um, and I will have to get you to send a few more photos, I think, yes. that we can we can pop up for everybody to see um, of some of your intrepid travels Definitely. across Australia so far. Um, but we might have to do a little bit of a check-in, I reckon, later in the year when you guys are still on the road um, and maybe we can do a little uh, part two where Sounds in the world uh, is, is Penny and her family. Well, and how? <laughs> How awesome that we can actually do this, you know, from yeah. from the other side of the country, from the comfort of the caravan. Yes. <laughs> when we have reception. <laughs> yes, at the times that you do have reception, although I'm sure it is quite liberating at times not to have any reception. Yes, and then it's awfully <laughs> nice when it comes back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It'll be a little bit cut off, but not too cut off yes, for the rest exactly. of the world. <laughs> 
Oh, Pat, thank you so much for sharing oh, your experiences so you, far on what is an incredible adventure for you and your whole family. Um, I am personally loving hearing about it. Um, now, I think you are sharing some of this information, though, online via your social media channels. Right? Yes. So my normal at lingo underscore mama, I've been doing a couple of little posts. We've also got a, another Instagram at wandering... Woolstones. Um, and if you're keen, I can pop the link in the show notes if you are keen to follow along. Yes, amazing. Okay, so you can follow along Penny's Penny's trip, but yeah, later in the year we might do a little bit of a check-in so we can hear how things have been going um, as you guys progress along. But thank you so much, Pen. Oh, Love it. pleasure. Thanks, Beck. Yay. All right. Well, um, for all of you out there, of course, there's been a little bit of chat, a little bit about language, a little bit about travel. Um, But if you would like to speak with more um, language loving folk um, around Australia or Australians abroad, you can join our Facebook group. It's the Language Lovers AU community. Um, That's where we sort of share things from time to time about what's going on with language related things around Australia or just other fun stuff that we hear about. Um, So you can join there and find some other like-minded language lovers um, you can of course also find us on instagram where languagelovers.au um, or you can also just go to our website for find out more about us and um, past episodes of this podcast at languagelovers.com.au and if you know someone who might love to listen to this episode as well someone who might be planning a road trip around australia please feel free to share and forward the episode and if you have a quick second we always love to hear from you and you uh we would love it if you have time to leave us a rating and review and thanks again for listening we'll catch you very soon see you next time